When we share our stories with one another, we inspire each other. We help each other to grow. We also help one another to feel less alone. I'm Amanda Solar. I'm the host of Soulful Connections, and I'm the founder of SoulfulLiving.com. Join me and let's connect. Connection. I am here today with Mark Schaff. And Mark, you are a creative transition coach. So before I even go any further, can you explain what that means, what that is? Sure. Um, that kind of cuts two ways for me. Uh, I've been working with artists uh, for a long time as a mentor, as a coach, uh, as a skills instructor. Um, but I've also, I've also worked with... Um, lots of other different kinds of people in my, in my uh, roles in the corporate world. And so when I talk about creative transitions, it, it is, of course, talking about people who are in creative fields. But um, what I've discovered after uh, some decades, maybe two, maybe three, of you know, sort of being in the working world is that in order to transition or in order to accelerate your, your growth or your career or any area of your life, that actually takes creativity. So I, I hear a lot of people say, "Oh, well, that's not for me. I'm not creative. I'm, you know, I'm a finance person, or I work at a startup." If you think about any transition you've made from one position to another, or even just getting a promotion, it's taken some sort of imagination just to imagine yourself in that new role. So, on a fundamental level, I believe that this is is the kind of creativity that we all share. That, that speaking of imagination. Can you, I, I don't know, I picture you, were you always imaginative? Were you always creative? Were you always artistic? Can you fill me in a little bit about your childhood? What were you like as a child? Um, I was exactly like my son, which is funny. <laughs> um, I look at my son now, he's 12, and um, and I just see, I just see myself. Um, I was uh, probably ADHD. Um, I, but, but very, you know, very, I could focus, I could focus. So I, I did well in school. I worked hard, but I also had a very, uh, rich, uh, imagination life. Um, I spent a lot of time with books. I spent a lot of times, a lot of time drawing, you know, uh, and, mm -hmm. and just sort of getting into my own worlds. Um, my older half brother introduced me to comic books when I was I forget if I was like six or eight years old and I just, and I actually, this is funny. We had a neighbor next to my house growing up um, and he lived on the second floor, but the house was a little bit lower. So I could kind of climb up onto his ledge and knock on his, on his window. And he was older than I was, but he had this huge comic book collection. Oh my so gosh. I, I remember I would climb up. It wasn't dangerous. It was probably, I mean, it was probably three feet off the ground, but it was so high up for me at the time. And I would climb up and I would knock on his window and I'd climb in his window and just sit and just read comic books all, you know, all weekend. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've always, I've always, I, I feel like imagination is, the, is, is honestly the key to a lot of the work that I do. When we talk about creating a vision, finding your purpose, 
it takes <laughs> there's the dog. sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's okay this is real life folks this is it this is really happening um you know when we talk about when, when i talk about the work that i do it's 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 that kind of imagination not not i mean obviously i'm not i'm not well maybe i am trying to become wolverine but but i'm not going to probably and so you know but it's a different kind of imagination yeah i spent a lot of time a lot of time in my head when i was a kid so where did you grow up i grew up in brookline uh boston okay. massachusetts yeah i um i i went to uh I went to a private school for a little bit and then a public school for a little bit. And then I went to a private high school. Uh, if anybody's interested, it's called Roxbury Latin. It's a great boys school in, in, uh, in, in West Roxbury, Massachusetts. And so aside from your dream of being Wolverine, <laughs> did you dream of being an artist? Did you dream of creating comic books? Like what were you wanting to be when you grew up, when you were younger? So, so on that day, when in whatever nursery school they have you say you know what do i want to be when i grew up we, they had us all write on a t-shirt i want to i'm going to be a and i have this photo i wish i i wish i had it here I, maybe i can find it and send it to you i have this photo i'm standing there just chin up very serious and it says i am going to be a cartoonist that's what it said um and i was obsessed with like you know garfield and calvin and hobbs and the sunday funnies and just like everything yeah so is that the kind of art so did you end up becoming an artist what what was your journey like yeah um well i did i mean um i had some great art mentors even when i was very young my my teacher miss purdy who still is on my on my facebook she's my fifth grade teacher really inspired me and encouraged me um, and I remember, I remember she, um, there was, we were making pots in class one day and this is, again, this is back to imagination and everyone's sort of, you know, making their sort of rectangle and their circle and mushing it together. And this is, this is silly and I'm not, you know, I'm not an artist, you know, everyone's trying to be cool. And I had this idea and, and without getting into too much detail, I basically took it and added legs and arms and made it into the, like this frog. But as I was making it, it kind of looked funny. It was a big round cylinder with these two balls on it and people sort of sexualized it and were teasing me. And I remember Miss Purdy basically telling them all to get off my back and let's see, let, cause she was really curious. What's, what, what is he making? Um, yeah. And she helped me finish it. And, you know, that was, I think the first time that I really saw that like I could, you know, I, I, I could do this and kind of screw what other people think. Um, I had a great awesome. mentor in high school, Mr. Buckley. Um, I actually got to go uh, see him for his retirement recently. And he, he actually even created an art class for a few of us to take when there wasn't one this one semester. Wow. Yeah, there was a few of us. He said, I've talked to the administration. If you want to skip out on this other elective, I can give you an art class. So I was always interested. But then when I graduated uh, high school, um, I decided, well, you know, obviously I'm not going to do art as a career. That would be silly. Um, and so I studied computer science in, in college and I, I oh. went into the, the tech world for a few years back during one of the early booms, um, but very quickly uh, signed up for some art classes and very quickly fell back in love and went back to art school and have been kind of blending those skills uh, ever since. Oh, that's really interesting. So I know that part of your I guess, career or life is that you have an online art gallery. Is that kind of the blending of the digital world with the... It, 
it certainly made it easy to build it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, uh, we have, I have a gallery that um, I've been running with my partner uh, uh, and it is called everydayoriginal.com. We post one piece of art every day from different artists. So it's a different artist every day, a new piece of art. Uh, everything that's posted on the daily is um, affordable under $500. So you can go and become an art collector. And that was kind of my oh goal. My gosh, is to, I love it. Yeah, I was, I, you know, I was going to these conventions. This is me. I'm just, I'm always sort of taking, this is maybe the ADHD, but just seeing all these different pieces and going, oh, that would be a solution. And that would be a solution. Um, the problem is I, uh, before is when I would try to do too many of them and then none of them would get done. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But yeah but the but the gallery's been been great because we have these artists who have you know who want to sell work but they maybe can't sell their bigger pieces because you know to the people who can't afford them we have all these artists who are wandering around saying oh, i want to buy your work and these artists saying i want you to buy my work and i found a way to kind of connect those two and say what if you what if you did smaller pieces what if you did pieces that you know weren't for big clients that you had to sell for thousands of dollars. What if you experimented? I, I've seen a few artists actually kind of use the gallery and I'm happy to use that word, but they've used the gallery as a launching point. They'll come into the gallery, they'll, you know, they'll eventually get to the point where we think they're ready for the gallery. They come into the gallery, they start building their skills, they start building their their client, their audience base. And then at some point they grow too big and they say, okay, I'm ready to move on. I, I, I love when that happens. I love seeing that growth. So, you know, you have this online gallery you are a coach. What role does art have in your life? Do you find yourself still doing it? Do you not have, you're also a parent and you <laughs> not have the time for it? Like what role you know, is art in your life? It, it is, it is uh, I was thinking about this because I just sent this out in my newsletter this morning, but it is just, it's just a core piece of, of who I am. The kind of way, the way that I approach and what I've been realizing is the way that I approach my, creativity in my art is very much the way that I approach, you know, kind of almost everything where, um, you know, I have, I, I have a studio uh, up where I am and um, it's, I'm going to say organized, but there's a certain level of chaos that I need because I need to kind of see what feels right in a moment. I don't always use the same materials right right now. I do typically use resin because I create these resin block portraits. So there's always some oh, resin in interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, they're, dimensional they're actually not as heavy as people think uh, so they'll hang on your wall but i'll use just kind of whatever materials make sense at the time and i need a little bit of that that chaos and i feel like someone was asking me the other day the same kind of question like are you gonna stop doing all these i said absolutely not i'm not gonna stop i need to have these different things i need to be parenting and making art and you know building my coaching business because they inform each other I mean, the the easiest the easiest one is to sort of say how how coaching informs everything because it informs how I think about possibility, how I think about vision, how I organize my my own purpose. But um, when it comes to art, well, here's uh, maybe an interesting thing. Um, when I was looking when I was looking into kind of like what to do with my life, um, I had a a pretty serious rock bottom moment um, in what was it early 2021. Um, and I had actually sort of stepped away from uh, a few of my big projects in order to focus on this one, and that one really fell apart. And that was very, very hard. Um, I, I, I could I could go on, on on lots of other mental health podcasts to talk about how difficult that was. Yeah. But um, I'm very fortunate to have great support, family, my wife, um, or my wife being my family, um, and 
so I had time and space to really sit and say, okay, you know, at some point, <laughs> at some point you're going to stop being sad. And when you're done with that, what are you going to create? And what I didn't want to do, and, and this is where kind of the, the creativity and all the other stuff comes in is I didn't want to just go back and say, okay, well, I'll go back to what I was doing before. I said, well, this is maybe an opportunity in a terrible way, right? But it's an opportunity to reimagine. It is what artists fear most. It's a blank canvas, but in that, what would I create? So I started, you know, making lists in my head and writing down lists of all the different things that I do and kind of what lights me up about those different things. Which of these things give me kind of the most energy? And for me, that really came down to the kinds of, you know, inspiring and, and motivating and lighting people up that I do with my teaching or when someone comes to me and says, this, you know, I've had people come and buy my art and say, this piece speaks to me on such a deep level. I have a story that I want to share with you. Like that, seeing people open up and, and possibilities open up. So um, I ended up applying to, uh, it was that week that the applications were due for art therapy grad school. So I, I quickly threw something together and applied there. Um, while I was waiting for those letters to come back, I, I signed up for my coaching training. And that's, um, and, and fascinating, this is the, maybe this is again, the ADHD, but the fascinating thing that I discovered when I was applying to school for art therapy is, um, you know, I read some books just to sort of see what, what it was really about. And one thing I came away with is that, well, art, art is therapy. You know, it is a nonverbal communication. It's a thing that we do as writers, as painters, as visual artists, as movement, dance, any kind of creation that we're doing um, is is a kind of therapy. It's a way of sort of talking through things that you can't verbalize or don't want to verbalize. Mm -hmm. And, um, <laughs> you know, I I realized that, you know, in in, uh, in in a kind of funny way, like if you're if you're creating, if you're creating a podcast, if you're creating paintings, we're all just self-medicating. You know, we're all just, you know, we're all just feeling, you know, we're all just doing what feels good. And that goes for the people who are creating, you know, business in their life or whatever they're creating. Um, but I ended up creating a new, essentially not a new path, but I took all the pieces of the old path and put them together in a new way. Um, and now what I'm doing now with my coaching work, with my, with my creative acceleration coaching is it feels, it feels, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. It feels purposeful. It feels like this is a way that I'm living my purpose in a, a, a truly deep and truly holistic way. The results that I see with people, the changes, just the changes after one session and seeing people say, I see all these new possibilities for myself and I'm gonna go get them. I love that because I spend a lot of time thinking about purpose. You know, when, when what you want collides with your purpose, to me, that's what gives life meaning. Is that kind of how you feel you're on track of your mission do you think about your purpose do you think about the role all the time that... okay really <laughs> how interesting are you able to articulate your own purpose i find that's really challenging so that's why I it is really why. challenging um my purpose is to unleash creativity i love it I love and it. for a long time that was about my art you know it was about my art it was about working with artists but it's grown and, and this gets back to the question you asked at the beginning, when people come to me and say, well, I, you know, I, I thought you're, you know, you're, I signed up for your complimentary session, but I wasn't really sure, like, it doesn't really seem like a fit. Um, I don't really feel like I'm a creator. Okay. 
um, I have a purpose in this moment <laughs> to unleash that. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of your own creativity, where do you find inspiration? Um, that's a good question. That's a good question. I'm, uh, you know, the pat answer is, of course, inspiration is everywhere. Just be, able to, um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it is, of course. Um, but, um, you know, I find inspiration in uh, certainly the work of others, uh, whether that's other painters, other coaches. There's a few. Um, I mean, I, I, my, my coach is, of course, a huge inspiration to me. But um, Jamie, who you know, um, Jamie mm -hmm. Broderick, great Jamie coach. Jamie Broderick. Yeah, yep. go look her up. Um, That's great. Shout Give Jamie out. Um, a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, yeah, Jamie's fantastic. She introduced us and has been unleashing, well, not just unleashing my creativity, but pushing, you know, saying, okay, you've got all these tools. Now, now, now actually go do them. Now actually do them more and bigger and better than you thought you could. And that's, um, that's a great kind of person to have in your corner. But I look at her, I look at the way she works with people and kind of what she's doing. I look at other, other coaches um, who I follow, like Rich Litvin, who I worked with years ago and um, is, is, is brilliant. But then, you know, I also look at other artists. Um, you know, I look at uh, the thing, the thing that's funny, it's funny you asked this question and I'm sort of rambling through, but what I realize now is, you know, when I was following other artists, um, you know, when I was when I was looking just for inspiration for my artwork, the art itself, of course, was was inspiring. But but what what I also found myself noticing is kind of everything else they did. What else were they doing in their lives? What else were they yeah. doing? How were they, you know not just how were they growing their business, but um, you know, fascinating to to read even just short little excerpts about some you know some famous artists from history and kind of what their life was like and what maybe obstacles they had or didn't, you know, we have this, we have this idea that, you know, as a starving artist, yet you go back and like some of these artists were sort of, you know, sponsored, pampered, you know, wealthy. Um, and, and, um, and we, and we're like, Oh, we have this idea that we have to sort of suffer for our art. And I'm yes, like, oh, look at all that these is folks. A weird thing. <laughs> look at all these folks. <laughs> Who wants to do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd rather not if, if that's possible. Um, and I understand, you know, I'm, I'm saying that from a place of privilege, too. I mean, I understand that, you know, like I said, my, you know, my, I went to private schools when I was a kid. I, you know, I uh, we had food on the table. I never I never had to worry about that in, in my life. And I know there's lots of people who do people I know. Um, so, you know, when I when I say sort of glibly, you don't have to suffer for your art. I, I know that that's not that's not always the case for, for everybody. Um, right. When I, yeah. I just, yeah, I don't know. Well, you <laughs> said you were, no, that, that makes perfect mm -hmm. sense because I think that that's, that's what we do. You know, we look for inspiration in art, in the people with whom we surround ourselves. Um, and so you said when you were younger that you were surrounded by books, you love books. What type of books did you read um, and what role did they play? In just well, the you way won't be shocked to hear I read a lot of fantasy and science fiction. Yeah. Um, I was a big Stephen King fan, mostly because my parents, this is again, this is this is maybe the ADHD, like my there was a book on my, my parents who are, um, I have lots of things to say about my parents. They had lots of books though, and they were not interesting. <laughs> interesting. Um, well, I didn't think that they were that interesting. They were grown up books, you know, and I was yeah. eight or whatever, but they had this way, but on, on the shelf, what really stood out was this one book and it was so thick. It was bigger than all the other books. And it just had one, two letters on it. And it said it. And I was like, Oh dear. What? 
I'm like, what is that? My dad, don't read that book. Well, what do you do when your dad says don't read that of book? Of course. And I loved it. I loved it. I was I was probably too young for a lot of the material, um, but but I loved it. And um, and I just started reading lots of Stephen King and lots of Isaac Asimov and 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 some of the some of the sort of um, classic canonical greats in in terms of what was classic and canonical at the time. Um, what I love about uh, a lot of the changes that are happening in the world right now is that um, there's there's a lot more there's a lot more to read there's a lot more women authors uh, to read there we're all they've, they've all been there the whole time and that's a little bit right. embarrassing right like they you know Octavia Butler was writing when I was a kid like those books were there um, but um, better late than never for me who and, was that past, Octavia who Octavia E Butler she wrote um, she was uh, well, I mean, she's up there for me with with name any great. I mean, she she wrote truly brilliant. Um, uh, let's see, would it be fantasy or science fiction? A little bit of both. Um, she she wrote she wrote both, and wrote books that you know I I don't think around subject matter and dealing with social issues and dealing with things like racism. Um, you know, she wrote a book, I believe it was called Kindred, where there's a woman. She never you know no, you you never get an explanation about why this happens, but there's a woman who is, finds herself sometimes transported back to um, the times of slavery and is, and is living with her, essentially her ancestors, including one. Um, uh, yeah, I, I won't get into oh, the, the details of the book. interesting. That gives me chills. Oh, she's, she, the, the book that I think everyone knows is uh, sort of Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents is these two books um, that she wrote about a, a young black woman's journey through um, a... A, a not post-apocalyptic America. It's just, it's a, you know, it's funny. It's really, really weird. Um, uh, without going off on, onto this, she wrote this book in, I think, 19, 1990, um, maybe it was, uh, or 1986 or something. Anyway, it was, you know, she wrote this book decades ago. Um, and in the book, there is, um, what's happening in the country is that there's a sort of, um, you know, wannabe autocrat running for president, and all of these uh, white supremacist groups are sort of popping up around the around the country. And the slogan for this president uh, was exactly the same slogan as as somebody we've seen recently. I won't get it. I, I don't want to go too too far into politics. <laughs> right, but right. The, but the slogan in in the book was "Make America Great Again." Um, and I read that. Wow. And talking about chills, she was she was uh, she she was a fortune teller. She could see the future. Um, I don't know how we got onto. You asked me about books as a kid. Yes, no, that's so interesting because I think that sometimes we can. They give us, they expand our mind. I mean, I think that if there's something you know. You you talk about creativity, and there is something about whether it's literature or whether it's fiction or nonfiction. And I don't know. I can't remember it, but somebody said that they resist saying you know fiction is fake and nonfiction is real. I forget how they chose to define those mm -hmm. things but it wasn't fake and it wasn't real it was just i think it was seeing life through imagination and seeing life through well, yeah. or something like that yeah you know? and and if you look at works like you know octavia butler and nk jemison some um some of the and some folks who are alive and writing now nadia okafor people who are writing african futurism afrofuturism science fiction fantasy um it's not I mean, it is, they, they are fictional, right? They are stories that they are quote unquote making up. But um, when I, you know, when you read them, 
these are stories about our times. These are stories about people. And they're all, you know, there's all bits and pieces from real life. Um, you know, it's not a story about, you know, you know, a, a specific person, but, a, you know, but they're bringing all these details in. So when you read some of these, some of these books, um, you, there was also, so here's an, another example. Um, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Um, he wrote a book called for, uh, Heinlein, Robert Heinlein. He wrote a book called For Us, The Living. He wrote this book in 1939, um, and I think it was 1939. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't past mid-century. Um, but he wrote this book about a guy who was in a car crash, and he never explains this either. He was in a car crash in 1939. And he wakes up in I think 2039, and he wakes up and he sees him. He looks in the mirror and he's in a different body, <laughs> and 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 they find him and they're like, you know, and they're like, okay, well. That happened. They never try to figure out what happened. They're like, "Welcome to the future. Let's show you around." Uh, he wrote. Uh, he wrote um, "Stranger in a Strange Land." So that's okay. that's the book that probably most people know. But he basically goes through and paints this picture of future society, and it looks a lot like a lot of the issues that we're 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 dealing oh, with now in terms of just even like you know hybrid work and working remotely and oh, the way people's wow. relationships are set up we're having all these conversations about relationships and gender and he had so it was really fascinating you know these these fictional books things like star trek with the tricorder like the, these things they're 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 possible they're future they're 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 imaginings of a future world um and and while some of them are truly fantastical um, this is not to, not to always try to bring it back, but like, this yeah. is the kind of thinking that I love to work with people on to say, like, just let's think of what you think would be like a crazy idea for your life. What would be crazy that, that you could oh, possibly do? You know, what, 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 what would be, uh, as, as Rich Liffin would say, like, what would the outrageous thing to, you know, that, that you could do right now? Um, and, and get people to that space of, of almost silliness. And this is, I mean, and this isn't, this isn't, um, this isn't wild and this is woo woo. This is there's a book by Sam Kainer. Um, I forget it's called like the, the the facilitator's guide. It's about it's a book about facilitation. If you if you're not into that kind of thing, it's probably pretty dry. But you know he talks about he talks about this idea that when you're when you're trying to come up with a solution for something, there's a process of one you sort of diverge, you come up with all kinds of different ideas, and then you converge. Then you sort of hone down, take stuff out, pick one. There's also something in the middle called the grown zone where you have all these ideas and then you have a whole bunch of conversation in the middle and that's where facilitation really comes in because you can really kind of get stuck in the mud if you don't get down to the thing. But that that diverge part, that's that's a part that I think, um, you know, a lot of people maybe have a lot of fear around. You know, they have a lot of fear around saying what it is that they actually want because they were told as a kid, you know, that being an artist is stupid, or, you know, they were told yeah. as a kid that they weren't supposed to do that, or don't be silly, or, you know, maybe they just have an inner critic that's like, your ideas aren't good enough, or maybe, you know, maybe they're in a room with, uh, you know, a bunch of people who look like me, white men, and they don't want to speak up, you know, there's, there's all these reasons why people quiet down that, that imagination, that ability to take, and that's what we're doing, right? We're taking all of these all of these pieces of our life, like I did, you know, last year, and like I do with people, we take all of these pieces and you say, well, what would be, let's, we have to make something up. We have to create fiction. And then sometimes we look at those fictions and go, oh, what? I, I can actually do that. That's not fiction. That's, that's maybe next month, next year. 
That's kind of you magic. Know, yeah. <laughs> um, that leads me to ask you for, if somebody's sitting there listening and they want to kind of expand their life, what would be one tip that you would share to start them on the journey of creating, mm. you know, a bigger future for themselves? Mm, that's a good question. Well, I mean, again, not not to always bring it back, but um, later today, I'm running my first free live online workshop. Um, and thanks to Jamie, I'll be doing these regularly. And it is a workshop that is designed uh, for folks who have been maybe thinking about coaching or maybe just thinking about their life and feeling um, I've had people come in and say they're a little bit confused, they feel disorganized, they can't see a big picture, maybe they're stagnated. Um, and it's and it's a and it's an online workshop and it's you know it's the kind of thing that if you're an introvert, hello, I get you, I am you. Um, you don't you don't have to like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force you to get up in front of the you know you can you can come you can leave your camera off. There's a worksheet that comes with it you can do with it on your own. But if you're willing to take that first step of just going through that exercise. Um, mm -hmm. I've seen I've seen a lot of great results um, with that with that so far. Um, yeah, so I, I know I know that's like a very self promotional answer. But but it is, I use a tool called the life wheel, which you're probably familiar with. Um, and what's so powerful about that it, it is something you can do on your own. But when you are working in a group and there are you know there are people in the group who do want to share and when you see how other people are approaching this same question it's a little bit easier to imagine it for yourself this is what i found in my art classes from art school 20 years ago to the teaching that i've been doing for the last decade um the teaching that i do is also this very is also this sort of mentorship format and what's so powerful is when you see other people working with the coach or their mentor and seeing the questions they have and the problems they're facing. Maybe it's their schedule or their kids or their material, like it could, like it's everything. And when you see that, you start to see yourself and you start to see new solutions and you, and you can almost see like, well, this person took that step that feels very scary. And so maybe, maybe I won't die if I, you know, put my work on nice. Facebook or, you know, whatever it is. I, so hear that, Mark, and that's a really admirable goal. I tell my kids actually that they've got to work that embarrassment muscle. You know, get <laughs> embarrassed a lot. We people get killed because they don't want to get embarrassed. You know, people say sometimes in a car you shouldn't. We really hate it as human beings. We hate being embarrassed to a very significant level, and I think that that you know, right there, it's a great uh, step forward in the creativity arena. You know, just allow yourself to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And like you said, mm -hmm. you're you're not going to die. You know, you'll live through it. You really will, you yeah. know? So, um, so that, that's awesome. I, and I'll put information within the podcast that people can, can find out about those workshops. Um, you know, I guess my last question for you, Mark, is a question that I love to ask people. Um, if you could change one thing, and because you're a coach, I'll say one thing about people's mindset that you think, I'm going to change this one thing. I have the power to do it. Mm -hmm. um, what would it be? <laughs> 
Oh, that's a great question. Um, that is a great question. Uh, you know, we've asked our kids, I'm stalling, but we asked our kids. Okay. I stole, I, I'm the queen of stalling. <laughs> we asked, we asked our kids sometimes if you could change one law, you know, or one, one oh, yeah. rule, you know, what would that be? And they have some funny answers. Um, it often relates to video games, but, um, <clears throat> If I could change one thing about people's mindset, and I'm trying not to give a very pat answer, but one thing that, um, you know, one thing that I kind of come back to for people, obviously, you know, it would be great if everybody had a growth mindset, that would be personally fulfilling for everybody. If, if people believed that, you know, their intelligence wasn't fixed and their capacity wasn't fixed. And I do work with people on that and I see that shift and that's great. But I think um, kind of, dovetailing off of that, you know, I, I would love, I, I think if everybody in the world <laughs> changed their mindset suddenly, magically, magic wand, and believed that there's no such thing as a zero-sum game, um, I think that I, I, I see that kind of mindset everywhere from personal relationships to, you know, um, you know inter international uh, tensions, um, this idea that if if you have then i then then i lose you know and um it's i i don't i don't actually think that it's an easy thing i think it's another muscle to to work it's that you know it's that embarrassment muscle again you know if somebody else i mean i like i i had um i had an, an argument a, a disagreement with my son the other day over something that i felt was the 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 right thing to do in terms of uh, a rule in the house and he he, he fought me on it and, uh, you know, we all had a family discussion about it and I ended up, um, I ended up, you know, kind of not letting him have his way, but, but agreeing that, that we weren't going to change the rule the way that I wanted. Um, I definitely felt like I lost. I definitely had that feeling of like, man, like this little, you know, um, but I am, I'll say a little bit proud of myself because you know, I'm still here. We still, we still have a great, you know, like I'm not dead. Um, he's hasn't become a total monster, you know, like, like right. all these terrible things haven't happened and I still have all these great things in my life. I think, I think when we focused, um, it's just, and, and, and I'm not saying that That's like, I never point. do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that point. You know, I, and I think that you have to operate with a lot of tools in your arsenal in order to live life like that, you know, and you have to be able to do what all of us have trouble doing, which is to kind of separate from our ego. That's, that's, that's tricky. It's really tricky it's as a tricky. parent kind of <laughs> exercises that, you know? Um, yeah. So thank you. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I, I honestly learned a lot just from this um, half hour oh, with thank you, you, Mark. I really appreciate it. And I, wish you luck in your endeavors. I think it sounds really important. I think no matter what people do in their life, if they can apply some imagine, you know, imagination and I guess focused creativity, maybe, you know, there's something that can expand. Yeah. Or just re realizing that everything we do, there's, I mean, we create our lives to a degree, obviously, again, you know, there's, there's, certain there's always external forces that are acting on our lives that keep us in in various places but we can create these things and i, I and i think once if you just 
just for a moment, just entertain the idea that that you are creative and that you can create. If you're a parent, you're creative. You make up stuff all the time. <laughs> you know, we're making yeah. up how we parent. If you're, you know, if you work, you know, if you work at a boring, you know, bank job, there's still, or, well, sorry, I don't, I don't know if bank jobs are boring. I don't want to insult bankers. If you work at a job that you find boring, <laughs> let's say, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's opportunities for you to create, even if you aren't actually going to go after those, those visions right now, it's still okay to have them, to, to, to grow them, to, to see and feel what they might look like and something else might open up. I love it. Thank you so thank much. You. Well, thank you for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening. Giant thank you goes out to show advisor, Roseanne Griffiths, the talented musician, Bill Aronson, who wrote, produced, performed the Soulful Connections theme song. And a thank you goes out to Brad Sanders for creating the Soulful Connections logo. Love it. That's new this year. So much gratitude to these guys and to my friends and family who continue to listen and guide me. And once again, to you for listening. I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me an email at soulfullife at gmail.com. That's S-O-L-F-U-L. L-I-F-E at gmail.com.